Hi, I'm Forrest Griffin. Brian Carraway. I'm Lisa Tate. What's up, guys? This is Joseph Benavidez, UFC flyweight. Hi, this is Greg Jackson, and you're listening to It's MMA Zing, and that is an amazing pun. Get it? Like MMA, but amazing? Amazing. Radio. Welcome to It's M Amazing Radio. I am your host, Dr. Law. With me, as always, DJ Mark. Sup? Also joining me this week, Lavender Gooms. Happy June 1st. Happy June 1st, indeed. Uh, Kid Presentable can't join us this week. Uh, be back next week, hopefully. Um, we're just out here, man. People are getting tear gassed right now on the freeway by my house. There's protests, there's the virus. Everybody try to be safe. Shit uh, got extra cray over the weekend. It's like, you know what? Things are slowly getting back to normal. Let's just crank this up with some uh, protest dude, riot looting going on. We're not um, even. At what's the your end. definition of normal? Uh, like everyone pretending like this virus thing's basically done. We're getting back <laughs> back to normal, everyone. Let's start going back to work and going out on the streets. And hey, you know what? There's a lot more people out on the streets now than there was a week ago. Yeah, that's true. Um, Everybody just try to be safe out there. Um, all right. Um, we're going to talk about uh, a man who's now kind of involved in what's going on in the news based on you follow Twitter at all. Uh, John Jones's stuff. We're going to talk about him a little bit. We're going to talk about uh, Gilbert Burns taking out Tyrone Woodley and whether we want to give more credit to Mr. Burns here or point to Mr. Woodley's uh, declining stature. And then we're going to make some picks for this UFC 250 pay-per-view, which... Even when there's three of us splitting it, there will be a discussion among the three of us whether we want to pay for this thing or not. Um, first off, um, John Jones. Uh, the general summary of what's going on is John Jones and Francis Ngannou want to fight each other, but they both would like to be compensated fairly. Um, it's possible, possible both these men have read the reports from the UFC lawsuit that the UFC pockets... 80% plus of the revenue. Um, it's possible. Um, the UFC's like, Dana White's like, I don't think these guys want to fight. And everybody's like, well, no, they, they said they want to fight Dana. You should, you should call John. So apparently, they talked to John Jones, and John Jones was like, I'd like to be compensated a bit more uh, than what he's getting compensated uh, to fight at a different weight class when he is, you know, getting paid X amount of dollars to be the, you know, to fight at 205 pounds, his actual weight class. Dana White says, John Jones is asking for Deontay Wilder money. Which, by the way, John Jones is the greatest mixed martial artist now, if not ever. Deontay Wilder is the third or fourth best heavyweight in the world right now. Him asking for John Jones money, I, I've been asking for Deontay Wilder money, actually sounds about right. Uh, uh, it, it was funny because like Wilder, I'm assuming was the lesser paid of him yeah. and Tyson Fury. So it's not like he even picked the most expensive guy. He like he went to the second tier and that was still too much. Yeah. So. And then John Jones is like, I never did that. I never asked for specific numbers. I didn't ask for $30 million, whatever Dana White's saying. And Dana White's like, I got text messages. And everybody's like, can, can we see the text messages? And then Dana White's like, well, why would I lie? So um, John Jones also has now given up his light heavyweight title, allegedly. Um, making him the second UFC champion in as many weeks to leave, partly due to not getting paid enough. Um, the other one actually had, had two belts, uh, Henry Cejudo. Uh, 
Um, John Jones is now uh, stopping people from spray painting Albuquerque um, and is also rebuilding businesses that were looted last night. Not so, just stopping people from uh, spray painting. He's straight up sunning these people, yo, snatching those. Spray that one guy's like, I'm not. There. One guy's like, I'm not. I'm not gonna do anything. He's like, give me the spray paint can. And the guy's like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> when I when I first saw that, uh, the headline makes you think like, oh, this is like a nice thing. I assume that he's kind of telling these like, you don't want to do this. No, kid. no. he's just fucking nope. flexing on fools. Yeah, John. <laughs> so I was like, okay, that's John kind Jones. of the John Jones. That's the John Jones morphing his powers into like doing good instead of evil slightly. Hey, John Jones is basically Hancock now, is what he is. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> right? I mean, and I told you too, Bob. It's a good joke, so it's worth. It. I, I think he's just getting a head jump on his community service, right? He's like, yeah. I'm not doing anything. I got 500 hours coming up. I might as well start on that now. Or, or um, maybe he thought, you know what? It'd be good to huff some paint. Okay. <laughs> An easy high. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, by the way, only Dana White could find a way to lose a PR battle to John Jones. And he's losing badly. Uh, we haven't seen UFC champion giving up belts and demanding more money like this since, uh, I don't know, Randy Couture? I, I think his argument that because he is, I mean, he's he's gone on record of saying, like, he thinks John Jones is the GOAT, the greatest of all time, right? And his argument that just because you're the greatest of all time doesn't mean you should make $30 million is kind of like, well, maybe that should be how it is, Dana. Maybe that's yeah. the problem here, Dana. Dana, Dana. I, I don't want to defend Dana White, but his argument was, you're the GOAT, but you still got to sell. Yeah. That was his argument. Uh, and um, I think and, maybe and, uh, maybe maybe put him in a position to sell. Yeah, I, I think you can you can look at that, and you I mean you, you look at the store and you'd be like, okay, you know, you look at the pay per view numbers. I'm sure his last couple pay per views haven't been great, but you just look at the dance partners. They're not setting him up for big marquee fights when you have guys that they haven't marketed at all. And the big push is this is the push. He's some guys fighting John you know, Jones. They tell me John Jones is fighting Francis Ngannou at heavyweight. That John still. Jones is heavyweight of the. Holy that's, shit. Yeah, I think that's selling a million pay-per-views. That is selling a million pay-per-views. And like you gotta put like if you're gonna give the guy give like, first of all, you need to sell. You put everybody behind a five dollar paywall and your entire pay-per-view business took a thirty percent hit immediately. I mean, let's look. He's a fucking liar. All right. Dana White's a liar. Okay. Okay. He's a carny liar, same way Vince McMahon is. He's just trying to get him pay get himself paid. Get his company paid. And John Jones has done a lot to hurt his brand over the years. But right now, I mean, Stefan wanted me to convey that he's all for this John Jones babyface turn. Yeah, man, me too. And it's not even like a babyface thing as much as John Jones knows he's like, we're severely underpaid. And like, you know what? Nobody did anything when there was a trying to get unions or anything. But if John Jones is talking about like, I'm underpaid, he's fucking underpaid, man. And they're paying John Jones $5 million to fight. That's underpaid. All right. If they sell a John Jones pay-per-view and the UFC takes 50%, this is under the traditional model even, not even counting these ESPN guarantees. If they charge $60 for a pay-per-view in the United States, the UFC gets 30 of those dollars. John Jones sells 800 to 900,000 pay-per-views without blinking. All right. If the UFC is pulling in, like, what is that? Um, I can't even do the math right now. Like, $30 million, $27 million, $25 million. What equation do you use that John Jones only gets $5 million of that pay-per-view? Because we know what UFC pay-per-view with the name UFC on it sells about 250,000 pay-per-views with no stars. And, and you know, one other thing I thought about today with this, um, you know, just talking about the, well, 
does he sell argument is one overriding feeling I've had with a lot of John Jones pay-per-views over the last two years when, you know, he hasn't been a fuck up and actually has been fighting is that doesn't really have a lot around him to help him sell these pay-per-views a lot of times. A lot of times, whenever John Jones is going to fight, uh, there's a few sentiments that have run through my head. One is, mm, he's fighting that guy? Okay, sure. I guess he's the next guy up. And then the other part is, ooh, so the UFC is just expelling, uh, expecting just him to sell this pay-per-view because normally his undercard is not the highest quality of uh you know weed in the dispensary if you know what i'm saying yeah um he they're all these guys are underpaid everybody's always known that um it's the way it's been for a long time john jones being the one to point it out you know and just he doesn't need to do this shit john, henry cejudo's like i don't need to do this shit it's I, I think that's another argument that Dana makes often that I just don't think holds a lot of weight. He always says, like, these guys that ask for more, he's like, he's got plenty of money. Why is he asking for so much money? He's got plenty. You guys don't know, but he's got plenty of money. He's like, well, yeah, he should have plenty of money. He's the top of the class in his sport. Everyone else and any other, you know, ma mainstream sport when they're top of the class, yeah, they have enough money to survive. It, it is about building, like, not, not just a legacy in the sport, but, like, a financial legacy for your family. It's like, Everyone's going to be fine. You know, the, the whole point of putting yourself in a position where you take brain damage professionally is that you have enough money for your generations of your family to be okay, right, Mark? I, like, it, it, well, I, I think you have to think too. A lot of these fights, especially at someone at this level, you know, we t I, I talk a lot about these fighters need to have exit plans. You know, like when you leave the sport, how are you going to make money? When you're at this top of level, you don't have to worry about that, right? You shouldn't have to worry about that. You should have enough money that once you retire from fighting, you are retiring your professional career and you're going to be able to live out your days comfortably without having to have another source of income because you were at the top of the game. You know, you should be making enough money that you're financially set that you shouldn't have to, you know, if you want to get into other businesses, of course, you know, you have the money to start up more businesses and flex the economy and start your own gyms and have your own fight teams and start your own clothing line, whatever, whatever you want to do, that's fine to make more income. They shouldn't have to do that, right? When you retire in a sport at the top of the game where you've been making you know you you know the most money in your division or whatever you shouldn't have to have to think of other revenue streams uh and i don't think john jones necessarily will have to but the fact of the matter is is that he's also a guy that his brothers are also high level athletes and he's seeing what his brother's getting paid like that was like 25 million for five years or 80 i think it was like 80 million for five years it was insane um, and he doesn't, you know, that, that's sport. And I don't want to draw comparisons. You know, they're, th these are top level athletes, but this is an individual sport, right? John Jones, when he wins the Super Bowl, the title, it's not like, oh, this is a whole team. This is a whole, you know, there's hundreds of people from management to, you know, the teams and all the players like, no, this is one dude who, who's pulling in all, all the money. He should be getting all the glory and spreading out to his team, of course. But it's just kind of insane that Dana puts this like, and, and, and Scott Coker used to do it too, right? He used to like, oh, Nick, Nate Diaz has enough, or Nick Diaz has enough money. He doesn't worry about money ever. Guys, like, well, they shouldn't have to. Yo, so check this out. Just uh, Daniel Cormier versus uh, John Jones, the first fight. All right, did eight hundred thousand pay per views just on pay per view. We're not counting any money they got from overseas deals on TVs or shit like that. Just domestic pay per view buys. They sold eight hundred thousand, right? 
at sixty dollars at sixty dollars a pop with the UFC getting half of it, that's twenty four million dollars UFC's cut of the pay per view. All right, that's not talking about gate. That's not talking about sponsors. That's not talking about TV deals around the world. That's just the pay per view part. John Jones, if he made five million dollars, okay, let's take that part of it. Daniel Cormier made three million dollars. That's eight million dollars. Okay, the the rest of this card. You guys think Miles Jury in the co-main event got paid? <laughs> yeah. The rest of the card didn't make a million dollars. So the UFC's cut was, what, 15 million? And the fighters got nine? And that's just from the pay-per-view buy rate? Well, come on, man. This is a fucking joke. Yeah. It, they they have no argument. You know? There is and none. It, and, is... and they keep trying to say, like, he's compensated well. But this is like, when you look at the... And Bobby, I mean, look at, like, Bobby is not fishing numbers that aren't known. Like, we know generally how much... The pay-per-view sell like there's not hard set numbers but they come out you know how much the pay-per-view costs you can do that math and then like like you just provided bob like just on that alone it's like oh they're already getting underpaid and then you talk about all the other millions of dollars um and to be fair to ufc brass and dana i would agree maybe now is not like the best time in the world to be asking for pay raise because they are making less money because they had to cut events they're not getting gate. oh they're gonna have their most profitable year ever because they, they don't make a lot of money on gate anyway <laughs> yeah, but I mean, even regardless of that, it's still, it's still like your argument is like you've let so many champions go because they make this argument. Like I'm not getting fairly compensated, and then the UFC is like, "Oh, fine, we'll just find another guy, whatever." Um, and it's just messed up. If you're supposed to be the best league, these guys should be compensated. You don't want these conversations where they're unhappy. Oh yeah, and let's just recap what's going on here. 125 pound champion, um, quit the sport because he's not getting paid enough. 135 pound champion, same guy. 145-pound champion, stuck in his country, can't travel. 155-pound champion, stuck in his country, can't travel. 170-pound champion. I don't no, know who that is. What the fuck he's doing? Usman. Hey, Usman. You did it earlier today. Usman, trying to talk himself out of another paycheck somehow. 185-pound champion. Who is this? I'm losing track of who the fucking champions are. Uh, It's uh Israel. Israel. Another person out there protesting, giving different. speeches. Stuck in his country, can't travel. 205-pound champion. 205-pound champion. Has quit because he doesn't want the belt anymore because he's underpaid. Heavyweight champion is busy doing his other job helping people. Did I did I knock them all out? Women's champion. I uh, no, one of them fighting this weekend. We'll get into one that. of them's fighting one of them fighting this weekend. The I guess technically two of them are fighting. Yeah. <laughs> she has two one of them's in China. I don't think she's coming back. I don't even know who the 125. Valentina? Valentina will fight anybody. She's got nobody to fight, though. She's around. I'm just saying. Look, we said it back then. We're like, if the UFC fighters don't get together and, like, don't um, unionize, we're not going to complain about the lack of a union. This isn't me doing that. This is me saying they're all underpaid. This one especially is vastly... Whatever they pay Conor McGregor, Conor McGregor's underpaid. Let me put it that way. Okay? And, and, and but... I guess silver lining here is these champions saying this is good because the reasons why unions didn't ever get traction before is like, well, the guys making, you know, top dollar, they're fine. Chuck yeah. Liddell and Randy, they, they were never going to want to start a union because they were, they were making, they were making decent money back then. When you start having your champions that are pulling in decent money being like, yo, this is still not good enough. Then they, cause they have the clout, they have the leverage. Um, and, you see the brass already being like, oh, whatever, they can just quit. You know, uh, Henry Ciro wants to retire, whatever. We're not going to fight for him. John Jones wants to vacate his belt, whatever. Um, 
But I mean, you get enough of these guys, and, and I hate to say it, but you at this point it seems like the UFC is kind of even with their semi quasi stars are okay. If you get the Conor McGregor's uh, into this conversation too, who have you know he's also kind of complained about his pay. I mean, it's hard for him. He made like thirty million dollars on his boxing thing, and then to come back to the UFC where he's pulling like you know how much did he make for the Habib fight? Ten, maybe, maybe ten, maybe ten. You know, so he's making a fraction of that, and he's like he got his ass kicked. You know, these fights are going to be tough. Um, not like the Floyd Mayweather fight was a, a picnic for him. You know, he kind of got tuned up. But yeah, I mean, it, it's going to take that kind of stuff. And I don't, you know, honestly, at this point, I don't even know if the UFC, if Connor's like, you know, we need a union, they might be like, well, fuck it, we'll, we'll make another star. Dude, I, it, it is they don't make any stars. That's the best part. have a union. The best part of this is the UFC makes no stars. No, someone tell me which star. star. Tell me which star the UFC made themselves. They can't make a guy. They had never made a black guy. Well, I mean, that right now, they don't have pro. I mean, we've said it a thousand times, Mike, they don't know how to promote to the black community to save their fucking lives. They have no idea how. Right. Like, let's be honest. Like, no, no. Um, and that's the thing. Um, is it the responsibility of the UFC to, to yes. create stars? They're, they're, they're called the promoter. That's their own entire job. If they're not promoting stars, what are they doing? They're not a sanctioning body. What, 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 will, what purpose do they serve? By what I will say with that argument is I think they're attempting to with the Dana White challenge contenders whatever that's their attempt to find new talent get them in the UFC and and put them in front of people's eyes and sign that's him, why sign them to a six fight deal paying them 20 and yeah, 20 they, probably they, 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 they find new exciting talent I mean and look because I've I'm picking up on this because mm. almost every pay-per-view card not this one that we're going to break down later they have one fight in there where on paper I'm like why the fuck are these two guys fighting Every time I watch the card, it's like, oh, this guy was on the Contender series. Like, yeah, but isn't the Contender series just a evolution of what the Ultimate Fighter used to be? Yeah, yeah, and, and Mike, and I think what what we're when we when we argue like, oh, they're not building stars, is really like the promotional aspect, right? They are trying to cultivate new talent with yeah, this they're series, getting talent, but they're not. Yeah, they're not. They're not marketing guys to push them over, right? I, they're kind of leaving them to their own devices because I mean, on, on one page, like they're not a necessarily like their manager right so it's not like oh we need to push this and that's the fear with the ufc that's why when you have your first ufc magazine there's not a fucking fighter on it it's this bald egomaniac on the front because they don't want the ufc to be the conor mcgregor show or the john jones show it has to be ufc is the important thing dudes fighting it you Dude, forget about them the, the number I, the, the biggest I, star in the ufc i'm sorry. sorry to interrupt you but i think the main difference is that bob you said they're a promoter but um, to go back to the original combat sport model boxing, um, yeah, they're promoters as well, but those stables for those promoters don't have 500 fighters. Their model, you realize more and more, isn't of pro boxing. Their model is of WWE. Yeah, that's their or, model. Or NFL without any of the no, the, oh, they're, oh, the they're, they're employees technically, I think, in the NFL. Um, that's, what that's what I'm saying. Yeah. They, they want to be that league. So it's not about like, it's the Super Bowl, right? For the mass majority of, of people that don't follow football, it's like the Super Bowl is the big. It's the NFL that's big. They might know some stars, and that's what the UFC is trying to be. The UFC, there's a title fight on. It's a heavyweight title. Who cares who the guys are? It's UFC. That's why you're coming to the show. That's what they want it to be. They need they, It has to be the fighters, right? The fighters are what sell because we know now 15-plus years, them being in the market, the UFC in and of itself is not enough drawing points just to sell people. You'll get that mass, the 100,000 people that will watch you know, like, like us. 
but you only get the thousands, the millions when it's like you have a star that generates with people, and they're not super interested in in having the spotlight the mo- off the, of the letters. The biggest star in the UFC is the letters UFC. Vince McMahon has had yeah. the same thing for years. The biggest stars he ever had is the letters WWE. Um, he let that get away from himself with Stone Cold and The Rock. They had down ratings for years. Never going to happen again. Never going to let that happen again. The biggest star in the UFC is the UFC. Doesn't matter who it's on. And the Connor's bigger than the UFC. He's the only one right now. So, more and more of these fighters figure it out, man. Jones has figured it out. Connor's known it for a long time. Nate, Nate Diaz has known it for a long time. Um, my man, Ally Quinta, the most woke fighter in the UFC for a while there. Ally Quinta gets it. Henry Cejudo gets it. These people get it, man. They, Henry Cejudo they, on AEW last week. I did. Oh, boom. Oh, oh that, I didn't even talk about They're going to talk about that this week. <laughs> Jordan, the, the Rashad Evans with his curls. Rashad, Rashad Evans, Mike Tyson, Henry Cejudo, and Vitor Belfort on Ooh. AEW last Wednesday. My, Mike Tyson How awesome lost the that? Mike Tyson lost a fight to a t-shirt and then got into a shoving match with 50-year-old Chris Jericho. It was wonderful. Um, all right. So we'll see where this goes. I'm sure a little bit of money will satisfy Mr. Jones. We'll see if the UFC wants to sell anything. Or maybe they're going to just cross their fingers and think that 100% of the people who have ever heard of MMA are going to watch this Amanda Nunes Felicia Spencer pay-per-view. By the way, happy Pride Month. If I was the UFC, I might want to promote that I have an openly gay champion who is the greatest fighter they've ever had as a female. Just During giving her the goat status, but still having <laughs> no, no like, Ellen I, interviews do you yet. Know how sad is it that I'm just like, please exploit the fact that she's gay? How depressing <laughs> is that statement, by the hey, way? <laughs> uh, a tangent. Um, Amanda Nunes is a girlfriend or fiance. Um, I, I, I forget married. what her I don't know. Uh, I thought they were married. I don't know. Whatever. Or, or, Nina, Nina Ansaroff. Yeah. So... Amanda Nunez, Amanda Nunez's uh, Modelo commercial this weekend. I was just beat over the head with it. Yes. And one line that stuck out to me is that she's the only female fighter in her gym. So what's Nina Ansaroff? Like? No, no, she was. I think is what they were saying. When she I, I think they the, did put that little. The back was in, back in Brazil. Yeah, like, when the- she was in Brazil, getting her ass kicked in the you know those gyms where they just in Brazil where they just beat the fuck out of each other and. You learn through getting your ass kicked. But, I mean, by, like I don't, even, I don't want them to exploit it. But it's just like having that knowledge that, like, she's openly gay. Like, Dude, just being what, like, what's okay, his we're name? not making a big deal about it, but we don't care that we have openly gay people on the roster. That's not a big deal. We celebrate it. We encourage people to be comfortable in their sexuality. What, what was it, dude's uh, dude who got his stepdaughter was murdered? Yeah, I was horribly. just about to say that. They, 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 they trotted the shit out of that shit. Like, Walt Harris shouldn't have been fighting. You could tell. I mean, actually, you know what, man? If he wanted to fight and it made him feel better, feel better about the whole thing, God bless him. But, um, like they've conversations with Amanda, and she's like, you know what? I don't want to be that person. I don't think those conversations happen. No, I was gonna say, whenever there's a pride, they like her and Nina are always really active in Pride in Florida and all this shit. Like, come on, man, this is fucking embarrassing. Just anyway, um, we'll talk about Amanda News' fight in a minute. But first off, we got ourselves a contender at 170 pounds, guys. Um, Gilbert Burns went out there, put the pressure on Tyron Woodley from round one. Um, clean sweep. I think 50, uh, 44. I think he got a 10, eight in that first round on most people's scorecards. Um, it was Marcus. It was, uh, at the end of it, I was honestly half asleep, but I was not sure if I should feel more like 
think more about how well Gilbert Burns did or think that maybe Tyron Woodley's gotten really old in two fights? Yeah, um, I mean, I thought Gilbert looked good in this fight. And obviously he came out house on fire, hurt Woodley really bad, cut him open in that first round and really dominated. And from there, I think we, <laughs> at least personally, like the Tyrone we saw from there, I'm fairly comfortable in seeing that Tyrone where he's super inactive, not taking a lot of risks, and ultimately is just not fighting very much, right? And I think that's what we saw in his last fight where I think Tyrone, not to be you know super discouraging of his mental uh, ability, but I, I think he's one of those fighters where it's, or at least for me, like I don't see him coming back from adversity very much. I see him kind of in that first round getting beaten and just not ever getting out of second gear. Um, you know, he needed to be a lot more active. And even if he was, I don't think he was beating Gilbert on this night. Gilbert just, he looked like the younger, faster gunslinger in this one. Anytime they had exchanges, he was getting off two, three more punches in the pocket and scoring and hurting. And, uh, you know, I think this this is a big coming out party for him. Obviously, his last fight against Maya kind of put him a little bit more on the radar. But Tyrone is the kind of former champion win that you really need to kind of solidify yourself in the division. And now he's easily in the conversation with your Covingtons, obviously Usman, and even, you know, you have uh, guys like Masvidal and stuff. So he's in that conversation. I, I think he's the number one contender. I kind of think he needs one more. I, um, I mean, who's number one contender right now, though? But right now, that's a good point. There's not really one. I mean, they're right. about to give it to Jorge. I mean, Jorge's and and he wants that fight, right? Like Jorge kind of has had the most heat on him. He wants that fight. Well, I think Pierce Usman wants to fight more than Jorge does because Jorge already agreed to it. But like Usman thinks he needs to make more money. Which, not by the way, when I say he's talking himself out of paychecks, he's not wrong that he needs to get paid. I'm just saying he doesn't have a lot to. He doesn't have to wait. Dana yeah. will be very quickly be like, okay, we get yeah, Dana, Dana will trade here. you to one FC real quick. Yeah. All right. Yeah, <laughs> Remember that champion, guys? It's entirely possible that in an Usman Masvidal fight, Masvidal is going to be getting paid more than Usman. You think yeah. it's a possibility? I would. Mike, that is a virtual certainty. Why do you think Usman is saying he'll fight Conor McGregor, man? Usman wants to get it paid in one of these title fights. All right. But but back to Burns, he looked great in this fight. His hands looked great. You know, obviously the grappling pedigree was always there. You know, these guys need to evolve, and he obviously has with his hands. You know, he has extremely fast, deadly, heavy hands. Um, he put them to good use. Got a huge win over uh, Tyrone. Um, and yeah, it you know it, a potential star in the making. Yeah, I look uh, I look like a damn fool considering last week I said, well. Tyron was able to handle Wonder Boy twice with his stand-up, so he should be able to handle Gilbert. And that was dispelled and refuted pretty quickly in the first round. I thought, did you guys, Mike, did you catch that they kept telling him, you can do this, you can do this? Like, it seems like Dean Thomas, his coach, was really out of real, like, with Woodley, they didn't lack that. They didn't think he didn't lack the skills to get this done. It was almost like a self confidence thing. It's like he didn't lack. He lacked motivation and the spirit to actually go out and do it. I'm not sure it was motivation as much as like maybe after he got his belt taken from him, he hasn't fought in a while. Bobby, if you got to tell someone repeatedly, you can do it, you can do it, like you're Rob Schneider from The Waterboy, yeah, that's a lack of motivation. I think it's a lack of confidence too, to be honest. We've yeah. seen this. I've seen a lot of fights with Woodley. Where, I mean, we we used to say he only has a, a round and a half in him. That was a yeah, but it's the but it's the first years. It's the first round and a half though, like round one and a half. Like and the, he got his shit pushed in, so he <laughs> lost, lost the, the one part of the fight he used to dominate. Was he going to be better in the rest? I mean, look, he has made 
adjustments to his game, especially with his stamina and kind shorten that up. So he, he can go five rounds, but I think Gilbert caught him early hard. I mean, he hurt him in that first round and he just never got it back. And I think what Dean was trying to do is I think a big promise fight. The output wasn't there, but the few times Tyrone would get really busy. He wasn't winning those exchanges. Gilbert just had his number this night. But that was one thing I was actually speaking with Bobby earlier today, like that exact thing you said where after Gilbert got him the first one, he just, quote unquote, never looked the same. But I thought about it as I was actually saying that exact same thing to Bob. I said, I thought, wait a second. But the rest of the fight is exactly how he's looked in his last like six fights. Yeah. I mean, we it, it it's so weird how our perception of these fighters morphs and change because for a long time it was just what we're talking about. He hasn't he has a round and a half in him and then he gasses out and he's not championship material. He couldn't beat Nate Marquardt. You know, this guy definitely has a cap. He went to the UFC, he started knocking people out, and our perception of him changed like, oh, this guy is kind of an action fighter. He has heavy hands, he can get it done. Um, and then We've had performances where, you know, some of the Wonder Boy fights, he was very lackadaisical. Um, and then you know, it, it it varies from fight to fight because he looked great in the Till fight. Um, and then the Usman fight, he just looked like he just didn't have it in him at all. And this fight, he just looks like the fight was just taken from him. Um, my big takeaway, though, was the first round, he did get his shit pushed in. Second round, he came out a lot more aggressive and was doing well in the first couple minutes, but he just couldn't keep that momentum up. I think the younger guy just had the better stamina that was able to push harder. And I think there is kind of a mental thing, you know, because I think Dean was trying to get him to be more active. I don't know if that would have been enough to get him the win on this night, but he didn't make that adjustment, right? He was just too inactive. And when he was pushing forward, he just wasn't landing the shots. He was just the, the better man just won that night. Yep, I agree. All right. Well, we got another card this weekend. We There's much maligned UFC 250 pay-per-view, which we might be a little bit harsh, quite frankly. There are interesting fights on it. And the greatest female fighter that's ever lived is also main eventing. Let's lead off with that. Um, Amanda Nunes defending her title against Felicia, the phenom spelled with an F-E, because she's a lady. Gotcha. Uh, phenom Spencer. Thank you for the gotcha. Mike really enthusiastic with that gotcha. <laughs> um, Felicia Spencer came back from her drubbing at the hand of Chris Cyborg to face Zara, Zara uh, Farn Dos Santos. Uh, beat her in three and a half minutes. This lady also didn't have a Wikipedia page. And as Mark put it, it was not easy for Felicia to get her to the ground. Uh, Amanda Nunes um, is at the point in her title reigns where if she doesn't destroy somebody, there's a lot of questions. And her having difficulty kickboxing with a goddamn Dutch kickboxer apparently gave people some doubt. Her last fight with Jermaine Durandamy. Um Amanda, I think, still won four rounds, if I think. If I'm not, someone correct me if I'm wrong. Ooh, sounds right. <laughs> it wasn't in doubt when it was over. Let's right. put it that way. Um, up besides a good up kick, I think at one point in there, um, I think that's what Jermaine did, right? Wasn't there one of those? And maybe a, I don't remember what happened in this, this fight. Could have been the fight seems like a decade ago. At this yeah, point. honestly, it was in December. Could have been five years ago. Maybe um, like a decade ago. Seriously, Amanda Nunes is a massive favorite. Minus six thirty. Felicia Splent, Spent, Splencer, Spencer plus four sixty five. Um, I, yeah, come on, man. Stefan's not here. He's picking the goat. I'm picking the goat. Mike, you're picking the goat. Mark, you're picking the goat. Does anybody think this makes it to the third round? I think it could. I, I, I mean, I actually do too. I, I, th I think it, it's not super likely, 
but I think Felicia Spencer, she has some things going for her. And I think a lot of the main talking points is she she's a real 145-er. It's true. She's she's a bigger girl for 145. Amanda Nunes is, is moving up and has been kind of smaller for this division. Um, and she potentially has a skill set that if somehow she can get on top of Amanda Nunes, that could spell trouble. Um, and I have a feeling that it, it's more so what you kind of said in the beginning, Bobby, that there's a lot of pressure for Amanda Nunes just to walk right through her. And I think Amanda is going to play it safe and cautious because she's being touted as the greatest female fighter of all time. And when fighters like John Jones and Demetrius Johnson, when you have this much hype on you, it is more apparent for you to keep the train going and get the W than it necessarily is to have flashy performances, right? I, I still think she'll be aggressive and, and try to look for the knockout, but I don't think she's going to force it. And that could potentially lead to rounds where she's not taking a lot of risks. She's just going to win the fight. Um, and we could get into later rounds. I think she will finish her eventually. I don't know. Yeah, if I mean, she's going to just... be able to sustain five rounds of Amanda Nunes, but I, I wouldn't yeah, I mean... be surprised if we see her late in the third or fourth or even fifth because she's not, going to put herself at risk to potentially jeopardize the the um you know this thing that she's built for herself i think she's definitely going to win but i wouldn't be surprised if this goes late yeah and felicia's tough man cyborg couldn't put her away in three rounds yeah, felicia's yeah, a I mean, tough yeah fighter. and that, that is a thing too like felicia did go three hard rounds with cyborg and survived so she knows how to get in there and you know take some licks and, and give them back and, and stay you know competitive but i don't think she's gonna win mike you got anything to say about this fight uh yes I've been thinking more and more about going hiking one of these weekends. Um, oh, about the actual that, fight. That, that's perfect. That's no, perfect. Like you no, can't do that. This is going to be a wash for for Nunes. All right. Um, Cody Garbrandt, Rafael Asuncao in the co-main event. Cody is the favorite at minus one forty-five. Rafael, underdog at plus one twenty-five. Both these men on losing streaks. Cody's lost three, extending back to two losses to. TJ Dillashaw, who was on all the steroids, and uh, Pedro Munoz, who wasn't for what for all we know. Um, Rafael Asuncao was long win streak, came to an end, losing to Marlon Moraes real quick, and then getting beat by Corey Sandhagen. Um, it would make you think that Corey Sandhagen, if he was on this card, would be fighting higher up than Rafael Asuncao, but nope, he is on the card fighting below him. In fairness, um, uh, Asuncao is fighting Cody Garbrandt, who is, has a much higher name marquee than, you know, Sterling. Sterling, who is the rightful number one contender or number two contender in the weight class. Itself. Yeah, but no one knows who he is. He doesn't exist except for the internet, right? That's Stefan's theory about Aldermaid Sterling. I've always liked that. <laughs> um, look, I was watching highlights of Cody Garbrandt and Dominic Cruz, which seems so long ago. Man, Marcus, you forget how good Cody Garbrandt, like, was. Well, his like, hands, I mean, his fuck. What it, what it really was, like, that fight. <laughs> that fight made him look like a fucking monster. Well, I mean, he also, like, dude, he, like, knocked out everybody. Like, he didn't lose to anybody. He, he did. Until he, had, he had a good run up, but I mean, Dominic was a guy that was, like, untouchable. Like, basically going to that fight, like, no one can touch this guy. Like, he, D, uh, TJ and Faber and all the best, like, they have to chase this dude around and maybe they land a couple punches. And he just mopped the floor he's not only did he just beat the shit out he's clowning him dude he was doing the dominic head movements too and i'm like whoa he was doing the fancy footwork i mean and that's like a minute fight dude do you remember how this dude's number do you remember dominic was like before the fight all the pre-hype fight you were all like man cody's way too emotional to fight dominic he's gonna just be fucking he's gonna be a bull and the other guy's gonna be the matador and Cody fought like the best fight anybody's ever fought, like yeah. against and, a smart and fighter. That gave him a lot of credence, right? And then, like you mentioned, 
We haven't really seen that dude in a while. It's that been that started going, man. Him. And look, and you can look at the TJ fights, and um, absolutely, I mean, look at well, all of TJ's fights and be like, he's probably on the juice. That probably made. Oh it yeah, a that, lot that's easier. not the excuse necessarily. And it's, I mean, and I think they're making a joke. There's but. different reasons why Cody lost those fights, and I think it's the same reason why. I mean, look, a dude has a hole in his game. It's called a fucking left hook, and he has not shored that up. Um, the sun sounds not really like a left hook, like a monster or something. But if I'm in a training cap and I'm watching this dude's holes, it's like he has a fucking glaring one that he does not fixed. He has not fixed that hole. Maybe he has in this fight. Um, I'm still gonna go with Cody. Did Herbert lose to left hook by Munoz as well. Probably. I, he was winning that fight. I thought for like the first couple of minutes. It was, here's the thing, man. <clears throat> he got into a firefight, which he's done a bunch of times. But if you're coming out for two straight knockouts, you need a fight a little more measured. Just like he doesn't fight measured at all. Even like he has that hole. And then also he goes in like he's got really good hands, but he keeps his hands low, real low. And like I'm taking Cody also. And some of this is just being optimistic, Mark, to be honest, because like him being good, I feel is good for all like the weight class. He's exciting. He throws heat. We know like, there's greatness in there. We've seen the he was greatness. a fucking champion. <laughs> he won the belt. <laughs> He beat the greatest bantamweight ever. Yeah, and he made it look easy. <laughs> so we know he can fight at this insanely high level. We need to see it again. Yeah. Um, Mike, you picking – Mark and I are on uh, Cody. Stefan, I feel, didn't look at the card closely enough that he picked Cody still. But are you taking Cody also or are you going to take a Sun Sal? <laughs> no, I'm picking Cody as well. Um, I got to assume that with a year's time, because I think the last time he fought was March or February 2019 – Yep, I would I would hope the people at Team Alpha Male have uh, helped him shore up that glaring hole in his in his game. So uh, I'm going with the new and improved Cody. You got to think three straight knockouts. The man, you know, yeah, that too. We're working on his boxing and stuff. He's got yeah, a good boxing I, coach. I mean, I'm probably gonna look at that Pedro fight again. It's gonna be like a high kick or something on the right. Oh, side. No, he got he got he got, got, he got, got put that moron there, Bobby. He's got a good boxing coach, but he has a huge glaring hole for the left. No, but they can, like the guy's been boxing for like since he was like a teenager. That's part of the reason he's always stand out in the team alpha male guys. Oh, his defense is suspect. Still, still boxing since he was a teenager. And still can't handle a left hook. Um. Well, we'll see how this one goes. Um, a Sun Sal man, no one likes picking him in fights. Let's be honest. Um, he'd he's, won he's a hard one, sell. He'd won 11 of 12 fights at one point, and no one gave a fuck. Like, oh, only at that point where fuck. we were like, maybe he's good. I don't know. He's a lot of better here. I, I, let me tell you, I definitely picked him in the last one, and it didn't work out. I might have. I don't know if I picked him against Marlon Moraes. I'll feel like a dumbass if I did. I probably did, though. Um but two straight losses for him, three straight for Cody. Someone's got to get a W here. All right, my man Aljamain Sterling is on a four-fight win streak. I can't believe he's fought four times since Marlon Moraes knocked him out. That seems like so long ago, I guess, now. Corey Sanhagen is on a seven-fight win streak. Um, five of those are in the UFC. This is uh, competitively an awesome fight. Um, the betting odds for this one uh, is pretty much even. Uh, Aljo is a slight favorite. Very slight, right? Like minus 115 slight. Uh, yeah. Uh, from what I see, uh, 115 to 105. So it, it's almost damn near even. Yeah. Um, Stefan's taking Aljamain Sterling. Again, possibly by accident. Um, I'm taking Aljamain Sterling because I take Aljamain Sterling in a lot of fights, man. Are we sure he took? Uh, I thought he he didn't take Aljo. Or was that the next no, he, fight? No, the next one. He okay. Took, <laughs> He didn't take Neil Magny. He okay. paid enough attention for that part. 
Um, Corey Sandhagen's only 28 years old. Aljamain Sterling is 30 years old. Um, human backpack is what Aljamain Sterling calls him, calls himself. Um, Cody Star, Cody Sandhagen, uh, Corey Sandhagen, um, very well-rounded fighter. Um, you got to think he's one I want to avoid grappling. I'd imagine with uh, Aljamain Sterling, but I got Aljo getting it done here, and um, somehow the title fight in this weight class is going to be Peter Yan versus Jose Aldo, and not one of these guys against Peter Yan, which I don't, I can't even wrap my head around that at this point. But hopefully, the winner of this gets to fight. Somehow watch it be Jose Aldo. Um, Mark, what do you got? Yeah, I'm actually going to go with uh, Corey in this one. Uh, And I think it is a really tough fight. It's probably just a lot of it. Uh, Been fairly vocal. Never really got sold on Sterling or Neil Magny. They occupy like the same space in my head as tall, lengthy guys that should be maybe better than they are. I think Sterling has kind of put it together, especially recently, a little bit more. Um, But... I think Corey Sanhagen's uh, track record recently has kind of sold me. You know, he has fought a lot of these really tough guys, a Sun Sal, Lineker, um, and it has got the nods there. Um, I think it's going to be really close. I I think there's a reason why, one, this isn't like a number one contender's fight. Two, why it's not the co-main event. Sterling especially, I don't think, and at this point, I think he's a Corey too, because Corey has had a lot of, notable dance partners at this point that he should be more recognizable than he is, but these guys just don't move the needle. And it is pathetic that they're the most deserving of a title shot and some of Jose Aldo's still going to get it. Um, but you know, the it sad is part is Jose Aldo's facing a Russian dude who barely, who's like got like a thick ass accent and the UFC's like, this is the one it, this will out sell. of those three other, <laughs> these three other guys that's going to sell. Yeah, so I'm going to go with Corey. I think it's going to be super close. I'm not going to be surprised if Sterling uh, gets the nod. Mike, what are you thinking? You're going to make it a split? Hmm. In a card I would actually want to pay for, Aljamain Sandhagen should be like the first fight of the pay-per-view. Garbrandt no, like- maybe be the third. Oh, it would be a good fourth fight. Oof. How much does it split three ways? $20. $22. Hmm. Well, anyway, I thought for sure I was going to be on, on an island picking Sandhagen. Um, so I'm happy that Mark is joining me. It makes me feel better in my pick. By the way, according to the UFC's own rankings, number one ranked is Marlon Moraes. Number two is Aljamain Sterling. Number three is Peter Yan. Number four is Corey Sandhagen. And number five is Rafael Asuncao. Number six is Jose Aldo, by the way. Are you trying to tell me that I should care about these fights? I'm just saying one of them might end up having a belt, this shiny thing, soon enough. I got belts. I got lots of belts. Uh, thank you, Brown, Mr. Miyagi. Uh, thank you, Mr. Miyagi. I was waiting for it. Thank you, um, my man Neil Magny, coming back to have fights where you're like, Neil should put this guy away. Neil, why are you giving an opportunity for him to hit you? God damn it, Neil, do something. Okay, Neil got the decision. That's a Neil Magny fight in a nutshell, folks. Um, Neil Magny is going to be doing that against Anthony Rocco Martin. Um, Rocco Martin, um, coming off of a lo- after losing to Damian Maya, uh, which snapped his four fight win streak. Came back, got a win over Ramazan Emiv in Moscow, Russia, and back in November on a card headlined by Magomed Sharapov versus Qatar, meaning the UFC doesn't give a fuck about Anthony Rocco Martin. Um, Neil Magny, they made him fight Li Jingling on pay-per-view back at UFC 248, which was the pay-per-view um, headlined by Izzy Adesanya, Yoel Romero, 
uh, and Wei Li Zhang and Joanna and Jacek. Um, betting odds for this one, I got to think Neil's the favorite, Mark. Uh, you are cor- correct. He's at uh, minus 150 to plus 130. Minus 150 to plus 130. Yeah, man. Stefan's got Anthony Rocco Martin. I got Neil Magny. I don't got a strong justification. I think it's going to be close like all Neil Magny fights. He'll find a way to try to give it up at times, but uh, he'll hang on. Mark? Yeah, um, I'm going with Neil, too. Uh, I've not been, kind of like I described last time, n- I've never really been on this dude's bandwagon. I I know I've seen Rocco Martin uh, fight before. Sorry, I've had hiccups for like the last five hours. Uh, <laughs> and I'm, I'm surprised I've hit it this long. Um, yeah, I'm going with Neil. This is a, a fight in the caliber that he should definitely win. It My- sounds like someone keeps punching you in your throat. <laughs> <laughs> um, earlier, earlier when Bobby was telling me his uh, what what Steph's picks were going to be, I tried to guess them, and when we got to this fight, I said, "Well, Steph probably has no idea who Anthony Rocco Martin is, so he's picking Neil Magny." To which Bobby countered, "No, he's actually picking Martin." And if I'm right, Mark said. I mean, he knows who Neil Bagby is. Um, yeah, that, that's that being said, I found that kind of funny, but I'm still picking Neil Magny because my thought process is I don't know who Anthony Rocco Martin is. I know who Neil Magny is. Right on. UFC uh, 250's main card opening up with Sean O'Malley versus, oh my God, he's still fighting. Why is he still fighting? Oh yeah, all these guys are underpaid. Of course he's still fighting Eddie Wineland. Did that sum it up for you, Mike? But why are you still fighting? <laughs> a real soapbox today in this podcast, huh? I'm just saying. Um, I th- isn't Eddie Wineland a firefighter or something too? Or am I inventing this up? Mm, I don't know. Oh, know about that. He also works part time as a as a at a, for a maintenance company. Nobody who fights on pay per view should have a second fucking job. Wait a second. That's wait a second. He's an electrician or some shit. Yeah, he's he went to trade school. Anyway, I digress. Um. Look, Sean O'Malley is an absurd favorite on this card, Mark, right? Yeah, he's uh, minus 475 to plus 380 for Eddie. Plus 380 for Eddie Martin, a legend. Eddie Martin, Eddie Wineland, a man who's been doing this for so many years. The first ever WAC Bantamweight champion, which is now the UFC Bantamweight title. Scott, 24-13-1. I really thought he retired at one point. But anyway, um, Eddie Wineland... Look, he's. I'm not picking him. I got Sean O'Malley. Stefan's about Sean O'Malley. They're setting up Sean O'Malley to win this fight. Mark? Yeah, I, I think this is a good um, step up in competition, at least in name value for him. Uh, and it's stylistically a great fight for him. Someone who's going to stand and bang with him. And Sean O'Malley has just looked fantastic on the stand-up. Yeah, so, that being said, good. I mean, if he better not be sloppy. He has to be on his P's and Q's because Eddie Wyland will crack him. Eddie Wyland's got good, ha- good hands, right? Yeah, I, I agree. I have every Sean O'Malley fight I've seen. Dude looks untouchable. Like yeah. he, 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 there's a lot of hype around him. Uh, and it's granted. I mean, one, he has an interesting personality. He's very charismatic. But when he's in there, he is extremely confident and precise. And I think he'll just cut through Eddie Wineland. But you're right, Bob. If he makes a mistake, Eddie Wineland will catch him and can win the fight. Yeah, especially with Sean O'Malley keep his hands down, head and head bobbing thing. He does a lot. It could cause problems. Mike. <laughs> Uh, we're sweeping this one. I am looking forward to seeing Sean O'Malley back in the ring. I was about to say the ring in the octagon. Right on. Um, all right, let's do stuff we like. Uh, Marcus, given your current hiccup situation, I'm not sure what you want to say, but you want to go for it. Go for it, buddy. 
Yeah, not a ton. Um, unfortunately, one of the things that I was going to spotlight this week um, got delayed. Uh, they were going to Sony was going to re- reveal the PS5 games, if not the system itself. They were going to have an hour long presentation on the fourth uh, this coming Thursday. Uh, giving what's going on in the states right now, they decided to um, delay that, which is unfortunate but makes sense, right? There's a lot of world events happening right now, and they don't really want to try to overshadow that or try to take some of the head headspace. There's just people are concerned about other things, so they're pushing that off. Um, so I guess I would just highlight a couple things I've been consu- consuming over the last week. Uh, me and Christine watched Jurassic Park, the original one, over the weekend. That was fun. Uh, she had never seen The Mist before. Uh, so we she, uh, we watched that. She really enjoyed it, which made me think, like, I thought they made a TV show, which they did, which is on Netflix. And we started watching that, and I think we're like three or four episodes in. It, it's pretty good. Um, I didn't really think they needed to have a TV show after the film. I think the film did a good job. But there's a lot of interesting kind of narrative points that they kind of left hanging in the film that they can kind of develop on the TV show. So that could be potentially interesting. Um, outside of that, God, I'm so sorry about the hiccups. I'm playing uh, Everybody's Golf, uh, and The Last of Us 2 had a state of play last week, and uh, final preview came out this morning. Uh, so that's right around the corner. I think next Friday, reviews will come out. That's kind of the next big game, but that's kind of all I got. So, yeah. Mike? Yeah, fun fact for you, uh, Mark. Velociraptors are actually were actually the size of chickens or big turkeys. Mm. Uh, More feathers, me, uh, and supposedly dinosaurs had feathers. Uh, for me, uh, I think I guess just two main things this week. Um, one of them depressing is the uh, the Netflix miniseries on Jeffrey Epstein. Uh, I really enjoyed it; thought it was uh, very informative and. Also, really depressing uh, to learn that, uh, you know, people in power are horrible. And, uh, you know, Bill Clinton for sure went to Sex Island, uh, according to, to witnesses. That if you movie, guys don't that, know what Sex Island is, Google it. That doc is too scary for me, Mike. Not because of the subject matter, but I literally like, thought, like, someone killed this dude. <laughs> like, someone's got a hit list. They don't want this shit getting out. I don't want to be on some, like... Two million, two two million list people of people who watch this film that need to be exercised. So I'm like, you know, what? I haven't, I haven't watched the last twenty to twenty five minutes of the last episode, so I haven't gotten to the conspiracy theories about him, uh, him being killed in prison yet. But I gotta assume it's coming because a lot yeah. of the documentary is just talking about like you know how he knew everybody. Um, and a lot of famous people, you know, knew him and rode in his in his plane and went to his fuck island. So I would give that a look. Um, you know, if you're in this weekend, oh wait a second, you're gonna be in this weekend. If the real news, if the regular news, the current news isn't depressing enough for you, why don't you look at a fucking documentary, a bunch of fucking pedophile and the vow- powerful people that uh, helped keep him safe? On a more uplifting note. I binge watched the the new Steve Carell comedy on Netflix, Space Force. Uh, I know Mark was saying that he didn't hear great reviews for it. Bef- um, not horrible, but not not so not like the Luke second Warm. coming of Office. Lukewarm reviews, like yeah. the type, like the type of temperature review that you want when you go into your tub. You know, like not too hot, not too cold. I get you. 
uh, I thought it was I thought it was very enjoyable. Uh, I love the cast that they have on there. Obviously, Steve Carell. Um, there's this uh, black girl who's playing like a a pilot slash astronaut who I thought was very funny. Uh, Jin Yang from Silicon Valley uh, plays like the, the the second in command when it comes to the scientists. John Malkovich is in the show and he's really funny in in the show as well. Um, you know, I'm going to upgrade it so that I really did like the show. Um, nice. But it's by the fact that I binged it in about a day and a half. So I would give Space Force a shot as well. And preemptively, I'm saying I'm going to love this third thing that I'm going to tell you about. It's this show called Love Life from the love of my life, Anna Kendrick. And after we get off this podcast today, I will be watching the first episode. And I'm sure it's going to be great. Man, she I- is- she is a doll and an angel man i got my hbo max subscription mike wants to watch original content you know what i watched batman returns that's what i watched all right are we handing those passwords out that motherfucker bit that dude's nose again mark and all over again i regretted everything that's ever happened to me this life bobby it's a little hot in here okay okay well what what can we do he's t-balling you up give him the line crank up the ac (laughs) yo I'm not saying I don't want to exaggerate, but Danny DeVito deserved an Oscar for playing the fucking penguin. All right. Uh, I, I guess I should say I have been watching lots of Always Sunny in Philadelphia too, just randomly. And that show, there there was a couple seasons where I think they kind of dipped a little bit in qual- uh, quality, but like for 14 seasons, they're still kind of knocking it out of the park. I'm I'm impressed. Um. Yeah. By the way, I, I can't tell you how disappointed I was when I was like at first, like, oh shit, HBO Max has the DC library, and then I looked, I'm like. No, they got Batman and a handful of other movies. Oh, yeah. They got some shit, but they ain't got all the shit. Yeah, um, not great. Um, all right, uh, this week, um, we already talked about Mike Tyson on AEW. That was real weird. Uh, Henry Cejudo there, Vitor Belfort, Rashad Evans. The announcers not calling out Rashad was a little bit embarrassing. Um, they called everyone else but Rashad. They did. Um that's rough. <laughs> my favorite part of this was really Mike. There's no script, clearly. And Jericho said there was no script. He's like, he's trying to shit talk Mike Tyson. And Mike Tyson takes off his shirt and is flexing. And Jericho's like, let me tell you something, Tyson. Yeah, yeah, you look great. Um, you, you get in Jericho's face. Like, I'm sure Jericho's like, can you stop flexing for a minute, you dumbass? We're trying to do some business here. <laughs> um, yeah, that was, uh, that was fun, man. Um, some of the stuff pro wrestling has done with this lack of crowd stuff. They've really done their best. And the stadium stampede stuff was great. And this when Mark, you say you... pro wrestling and you say they, you mean AEW. Well, no, WWE did the graveyard match, which That's was amazing. It. And they did. You, did you watch John Cena versus Bray Wyatt with that weird meta shit that was happening? They had, they had two good things. Okay. I didn't watch Money in the Bank. Mark, did you ever watch Stadium Stampede? Uh, Bob, I'm, I'm gonna be honest. I, I gave it a shot. I could not get. On didn't board. do it for you. That's fine. <laughs> I, I mean, look, it's. I mean, I just think I'm. I'm pretty far gone as a pro. Like the product itself, and this is. I think this is the first time I actually watch an AEW thing. I think it's clever. I'm glad they're having fun with it. Um, I just like. I'm just so uninvested. It's not I your just, jam. Kind of it's fine. Here and there, and I was just like, eh, all right, you know. Like you said, I'm glad that. Uh, they're able to evolve and kind of, you, you know, like, look, at, we're in this situation. It's weird. We have to remarket ourselves. We have to. We can do different things now. And I'm glad they're explore, exploring that and having fun and having success. Because, I mean, 
you guys obviously enjoyed it. I think a lot of the fans enjoyed the event as well. So you know, I'm just not the market for it, but you know, I gave it a shot, and it was. Just, I was just, and I try. I also watch, try to watch the match with. Uh, I think it was the women's champion match because Steph said the chick dressed up as Tifa from Final Fantasy VII. I was like, oh, I want to see that. Let's see how that match goes. And I watched a little bit of it, and it just it doesn't get me. I'm too far gone at this point. You, you didn't enjoy Nyla Rose slamming her through that uh, blackjack table and yelling, yeah, looking at the camera, oh, and going. Get that far. <laughs> she goes, "Oh, it's better on black." That was hilarious. Mike and I had a good time watching AEW. But anyway, um, yeah, I think that's really it this week. Um, just want to say real quickly, um, not to get on our soapbox here at all, so I'm not going to. I'll just say Black Lives Matter. And when you say all lives matter, that will never be true until Black Lives Matter. So. That's true. The other lives, we are already getting the the matter respect they need. It's the black people that are getting real yeah. fucking gifts, The black so. people, the gay people, the trans people, the people yes, that aren't yes, white. Yes. Yeah, yeah, that's really so the people that aren't white. Look, there hasn't been a lot of like Asian American like targeting deaths, but they get their own shit. Everyone gets shit. Unless you're white, you you get the privilege. Let me tell you firsthand, it's very nice. Everyone needs to be treated like this. It cannot be an exclusive deal anymore. We all need to. It, it's the golden rule. You, I don't you, know why they didn't catch on more. You guys watch this, listen to this podcast and know how nice of a guy Mark is. You've never been in an airport with Mark when his friend Bobby has been stopped three times in the same airport for airport security when Mark is getting ready to yell at fucking French TSA. Honestly, <laughs> Bobby, I, I, I wish. I mean, that's honestly, I think a lot of the problems with racism is that example right there because before that it was bobby telling me he gets you know a lot of harassment in the airport and just like when you hear stories like oh black people are getting killed by the police it's one thing to hear stories but then when you actually see the racism firsthand it's not just something you heard it's something you saw and experienced and it impacts you differently and i think that's why you see so many people that can just be blatantly racist because they haven't had to experience that shit firsthand they just hear about it and then, but when you see it, and like, yeah, when I saw Bobby get, you know, uh, racially profiled, I was like, whoa, that shit actually happens. And I'm fucking pissed off as shit right no, now. By the way, person, no I, one interrupts my thing like that. But I was just saying, no, no, Mike's laughing but, because Mike saw this happen <laughs> at, at the airport gate in, uh, we were going to in San Francisco. Mike, Mike and my buddy Sal were also, we're all flying. Much different reaction. Mike started that. laughing when they started checking me at the to gate. So then they started checking Mike too. That was the best part. <laughs> I, I thought Mike would be like, "Oh man, good." Bobby gets all the shit now. I don't have to get it either. It's like, nope, you just get roped into mother. It's just, it, it, and honestly, you know, it's got to, and to look, man, that's not a, that's a fan. That's a small issue. A motherfucker got killed by the police the other day. Like, it, exactly, and like, I think that's why this is having a lot more resonance. Be- and just like with Rodney King, seeing has so much more of an impact on people than reading a story or seeing a headline, which is a lo- how a lot of people consume news. That's how I, I consume news. I read, I see a shit ton of headlines. Maybe an article here or there interests me enough to try to read it, but it's just another headline for another day. And that's really, it, it, it's, it's hurtful to say that like these awful atrocities happen in the world and you read a headline and you're like, man, that's fucked up. It doesn't impact you as much as it should, as much as it does for people that are living with it and that to deal with it on a day-to-day basis. But you really do just have to really see, like, these stories are real, man. And there's so much shit we don't hear about, you know, like, drone strikes that are like, oh, we hit a school. Oops. A bunch of fucking kids died. And we don't hear those stories. And when we do, it's like, oh, that's awful. But it happened over there. It doesn't impact my life. And But when you see the footage and that 
resonates with people a lot more. And I think that's why we see a lot of these protests um, happening because we have footage of this horrible act and it's awful, but the silver lining maybe is that like these things keep happening and we're having, people are doing something. We haven't gotten the results we want, but the conversations are happening. People are more, it's just been so long. It's been going on forever and we're still at this point. The thing is, is that the reason why people across the nation are protesting, rioting, and burning buildings and cars isn't so much because, I mean, in at the end of the day, it is, but it's not because, um, you know, these assholes did this to, to George Floyd. Um, it's that they know what's going to happen. And what's That's already been happening. Um, it took days for the guy to get arrested. One of the four. Part, uh, one of four. And most likely, he's not going to get... He's he's not... He, he's going to get off. I got Which, 10 years. What do you got? I got 10 years on this. What do you got, buddy? I got 10. You know, so that's, that's what it is. Because murders happen every day. Um, but normally when someone commits that type of atrocity they're held to justice it happens swiftly and normally it happens without bias but there seems to be a pattern that when you know cops white cops commit this act against you know minorities or in most of these cases black black people uh they tend to get off and um people in my opinion are understandably mad yeah um that's uh well put i mean it's like it's we we, we don't need to tell you guys anything you don't know we i think most people stand with where they stand and it's not like people who just say stuff like oh well what about like violence in the inner cities between groups i'm like those people aren't states aren't sanctioned by the government to protect people. Yeah, they're not the protectors. Gov- the government has said you've been sanctioned with a weapon to protect people. And look, being a police officer seems like the hardest fucking job, by the way. Straight up, I'll say it. It does not seem like an easy job on any level. Maybe we should maybe give a, like, I don't know. I know we have high expectations, but maybe don't kill people. Treat everybody the same. expectations because... They literally have people's lives in their hands yeah. every day, you know, and and, on, and honestly, as someone that looked into getting into law enforcement, that reality is very clear up front. And that's one of the reasons why I didn't go into that field is because very quickly they said, like, look, at, if you're going to be an officer, you have to be an asshole. You have to be an asshole. You cannot be the nice guy because statistically, nice guy, nice officers that, you know, are kind to people when they pull them over, get killed because someone that is a criminal that is maybe you know has a weapon or something sees that kindness as weakness and they exploit it and you know you have to be tough to make sure that in those scenarios where your life is in danger that the person that is going to put your life in danger realizes that you are apt and prepared and all that other stuff at the same time like we they have to be held at an extremely accountable at the highest level especially when you're killing people and especially when you're supposed to have training for de-escalating situations and you have equipment to help you de-escalate situations and when you have so many cases where it's like okay you look at i mean in in each case is different you have to look at what happened but so many of these cases are like 
yeah, clearly you shouldn't have done the shit you've done. And it is tough because, like you said, like these moments where these decisions are happening are extremely high tense, you know, and there's a lot of emotion and fight or flight is kicking in. But you're an officer of the law. You have to put yourself at that highest level that, like, if I'm pulling my gun out, it is because I am in mortal danger. Like, I know this. Not, not only does this person have a gun, they're firing at me. And, and, like, and in this case, there wasn't even that fight or the guy was handcuffed is strained and and that's and that's really the issue right it's like you look at these scenarios and it's like okay what happened let's give both sides a fair shot because these are you know really difficult situations we have to give the cop the benefit of the doubt we have to give the victim the benefit of the doubt and look at what happened and what should have happened right and then like in this case you didn't need to put your fucking you didn't need to sit on the dude's throat at all. That was not necessary. Sometimes, I mean, cops do that all the time. When you get a person down, they'll put a knee on the back of your head or your throat or and that's to like subdue a person to put handcuffs on them. Once they got in handcuffs and shit like that or once they're down, if the person's gasping for air and saying I can't breathe, like, yeah, dude. I mean, this is there a lot of these cases are open and shut and then the justice doesn't happen and the dude. you know obviously upset obviously. as i as i look at the wall as i look at video of the walnut creek police which i live in walnut creek california you want to look up the type of place walnut creek is it's a real yuppie suburb oh yeah description of the max um they looted the lululemon that mike has been to which made me laugh quite a bit last night about that unfortunately a lot of next well, girlfriends and yoga pants there yeah um they shot tear gas at people today to enforce a curfew after a peaceful protest People shouldn't have been on the freeway. And there's this general impression also that like, oh, we let you. Okay, you're, aren't you done protesting now? It's like nothing changes. Things need to change. This isn't like you. We heard you. Now everybody go back about, you know, now we just move on to the way it used to be. That's not how this shit works. There's an expectation to change. The president's a fucking moron providing no leadership during any of this. And by the way. It's awesome that we're able to arm cops like they're um, soldiers, and we can't arm doctors like they're doctors. This, yeah, uh, scalper is not as fun as a grenade. Yeah, I mean, I was you know, when you look at the budget, and it's like, yeah, I'm yeah, just saying, medical equipment, or I can get a grenade launcher. Yeah, it's really important. Yes, it's like, fun, like yeah. why does the Walnut Creek Police Department even have tear gas and tear gas and flashbangs? Well, now we know. <laughs> yeah, like, and now I'm just looking at this. I'm like, the doctors don't have enough fucking ventilators and PPE for them, and fucking people i have asked bobby on numerous occasions over the last two days when he's been telling me people have been protesting in walnut creek uh roundaboutly asking him who exactly is protesting in walnut creek because i've been there a bunch of 15 year olds i was gonna look look, what i'm trying to tell you bobby is your neighborhood is lily white all right all all my neighbors are out there right now like like a like a set of sheets all right i hate I hate to throw this out here too. Like, I think there's a little perfect storm going on of people just being fucking stir crazy. Yeah, I think that's and it being too, like, yeah. oh, I can go outside and break shit. Fuck yeah, I'm so down to do the, that. My, right my, now. my favorite video of this whole thing has been watching a Vans in Atlantic City, New Jersey, get looted by a bunch of white people while black people were recording on their cell phones. <laughs> like, well, I mean, you know, they're not going to get in Vans and shit. So it's not, not their market, but yeah, there's so much gross shit out there with the and, looting. And don't get me wrong, we need all the allies we, we, we can get, right? I'm not saying everybody shouldn't be protesting, but it's a weird scene considering, like, you know, it's it's a whole bunch of cops. Dude, it's a bunch of kids. Honestly, like, Mike, you're making jokes, but there's a bunch of, like, 
there's a bunch of 18, 19, 17, 16-year-old kids out there. And if they're going to be on board, and all, the, all of them are white, a lot of them are Asian, a lot of them are Hispanic. And that's what we got going on here. And now there's a curfew that started an hour and a half ago. Um, so my plan to go for a walk this evening, it's not going to be doing that, to be honest. So I'll probably just... Yeah, I really shouldn't Bob. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm going to finish editing this podcast and maybe play a little Civilization. That might be what I do tonight. Um, but yeah, I didn't mean for this to go that long of a cock. I was just, you know, everybody be That's safe, important. man. It's important. Every, everybody be safe. Do your best I, to be safe. Uh, I just turned on MSNBC and they got a they got a video of Oakland. So there you go. Well, well yeah, because all the East Coast cities they're done. They're done looting. For well, the, the curfew, the curfew in Oakland is in, in twenty minutes. So shit's about to pop off. By the way, the White House shooting tear gas on a peaceful protest in front of the White House in front of the White House was really just a plus job of militarization. By the way, shit getting cray. Like we already yeah. got it with cray, and it's like they're that 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 dial on the volume it goes past ten and eleven and twelve. And let's just see how far we can crank it. Maybe Colin Kaepernick was right. It's like just a maybe. I mean, it's I do like all the memes like. You guys did it like we put a knee down. So, <laughs> you know, we tried. What do you want him to do? <laughs> um, yeah. All right. Well, thank you guys all for listening. Um, is there a card after this? There probably is. The UFC is just pumping card after card. Regardless yeah, I don't of think it's solidified as much, but they got to have something planned. They don't even know who's going to be on it. Probably you're saying, is that where we're at? They probably have a couple ideas. That's that's grim. that's fucking grim UFC Fight Night 176 is taking place next week and at the moment is headlined by Touchy Feely versus Charles Jordan is that what we got is that that what you guys see I see see, see Blades and uh, Alexander Volkanov I mean I don't even see uh, I'm I'm okay with it (laughs) Fight Night We're at the end of this podcast, folks. We're gonna there's gonna be a, a, a one minute conversation with the group here at where we have a tribal council on whether we're gonna pay for this pay per view or not. I'll say this now: the main card is better because I was looking leading up to this, they did not solidify that, so they had a lot of the prelim junk kind of up there at the top, and I was like, no way, man. Look at the main card now. I was like, this isn't the worst. Look, thing man, I got a curfew that's apparently gonna extend through Monday. And it's a, so I'm not doing anything. <laughs> um, all right. We'll be back next week, guys. Um, hopefully full house. Um, I was Dr. Law. That was DJ Mark. And that was Lavender Gooms. Thank you all for listening. Uh, be safe out there um, in every regard. Remember, the plague is still out there. So be safe uh, and peace out. See you.